0: Thanks for joining us for our Rolling Hills Community Church sermon podcast. We're currently in our series, Fresh Fruit, where we are diving into the fruit of the Spirit. As a believer, the fruit of the Spirit should be coming out of our lives. It should be shown in all that we say and do. Just as when you see an apple tree, you see apples on it. As a Christian, others should see you and see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. They should see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, they should see Jesus in us. Our vertical relationship with God must be lived out in our horizontal relationships with others. So let's jump in together to this week's message of Fresh Fruit. We're so glad you're here.
1: So here's the deal. Some of you saw the topic of today, gentleness, and uh, you have already made out your mind that this is something you're going to tune out because you think to yourself i don't really know where he's going to be headed today with this topic on gentleness because some of you are very gentle people you have a very gentle disposition and maybe you've thought to yourself you know that gentle position has made me a doormat for other people And so, therefore, I'm not viewed as somebody who has any opinions or any ideas, and so, therefore, I don't know if I should really strive for gentleness, and so I don't know what he's going to say today. And then there's another camp of you that you're really, really strong, and you're really, really bold, and you think to yourself, what the world needs right now is not more gentleness, we need more boldness. I don't know. I mean, gentleness is something that is nowhere on my radar. And why should that be something that I seek to grow in? And the tension on both sides of those camps is real. But the reality is, somewhere in the middle is what God's wanting to teach us this morning about this concept of gentleness. We are in this series called Fresh Fruit where we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit. And dare I say, gentleness is probably the one that makes the least sense to a lot of us right now. And we wonder, why is this here? Why is this something that God would list as a fruit of the Spirit? For those of you who are new to faith or maybe you're new to church or you're new to what we're talking about today and you wonder, what is this fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit are these evidences of God changing our life. It's the fruit that grow in the tree on the tree of our life that shows the world that we belong to God and not to ourselves. It's the godly agenda opposed to a worldly agenda. And these fruit of the Spirit are things that are evidences to the world that we belong to Jesus. And a lot of these fruit of the Spirit, they make perfect sense to us. And you're like, absolutely, I understand why that's a fruit of the Spirit. I mean, love, that makes perfect sense. That's no shocker that I should seek to grow in love. And then there's joy, and you would think to yourself, absolutely, joy is contagious. It makes sense that I should be a joyful person. And then there's patience, which none of us want to work at, but we get it. You know, we understand why it's there. I don't really want to work on that. I don't want to become more patient, but I get why it's there. And then there's gentleness, and you think to yourself, why is this here? Why is this something that I should seek to grow in. And so I want to direct our attention to a passage of scripture. And it's in Philippians chapter 4 verses 4 and 5. And those words are going to be up here on the screen as well. I want you to listen to what Paul says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So according to the Bible, not only should I be seeking to grow in gentleness, but that gentleness should be shown to everyone. It should be on display at all times. Why? Because the Lord is near. And because the Lord is near, there's something that happens in our life and that happens in the life of others when we grow in this fruit of spirit gentleness. Know that I'm so honored that you're here. I'm so thankful that you are here today. I don't believe it's by accident that you're here, and I hope and pray that God would show you today precisely why it is that he brought you here, and that you would walk away today changed not because of anything that we do, but because of your encounter with him today. And so to that end, let's pray and ask God to meet us here through his word and meet us through this community of believers. Lord, thank you for a chance to be together. We just give this morning to you. We thank you for what you're going to do, and pray that our lives would be I'm honoring to you, and that through your word today, God, that we would be changed and that we would look more and more like you. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray and ask all these things. Amen and amen. Now, in the book of Galatians, chapter five, verses twenty-two and twenty-three, you see the full listing of what these fruit of the spirit are. And it's where we are. We only have two weeks left in this series, but I want to read that verse to you, those verses again to you. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. So this word gentleness, if you go back to the original Greek language and you look at the word gentleness, because the New Testament was written in Greek and we translated it over to English, so in the original Greek language, the word gentleness is translated prautes. And what prautes means, it's it's a synonym for meekness, it means the exact same thing as meekness, maybe you have a Bible translation that would say meekness or you've heard about that word meekness, it means the same thing as gentleness, but I want to kind of help you understand that definition. Because gentleness has a connotation of, of mildness, of humility, uh, of a sense of putting others first, of, of not arrogant, if you will. But the most important part of the definition of, definition of prautes is that meekness, gentleness, is a sense of power that is reserved, meaning Something is a lot more powerful, or I have a capacity to be a lot more powerful than I'm going to be in the moment. That's what gentleness is. Gentleness is saying, I could, or I, I could be at a 10 right now, but I'm going to stay at a 5. I could really, you know, kind of go all in with this and bring a lot of quote-unquote power into this situation, but I'm going to reserve some of that power. I'm going to choose to hold back a little bit. See, that's the biblical definition of gentleness. Now, it's kind of like if you're at a go-kart track, which I love, by the way. Any go-kart fans? I mean, it's just, well, thank you, one of you. Um, Let's go sometime. Uh, Go-kart tracks are amazing to me. In in fact, my idea of a good day is you put me at a go-kart track, give me some mini golf, some nachos, I am a happy camper. I mean, it doesn't take a lot. I love these go-kart tracks, but I have a, a, a little bit of an issue with go-kart tracks, and one of them is that the go-kart track people have got together and they have discerned that they have to put these things called governors on their go-karts. And some of you guys are like, what's a governor? An elected official? Yes. But a governor is something that is put on an engine to keep the engine from operating at its full capacity. Now, why do they do that at a go-kart track? Because they know people like you aren't going to be able to handle full capacity. They know that some of you guys are going to get out there, you're going to bump other cars. Some of you, not me, some of you all are going to get out there and you're never going to let off the gas. You know, you are going to be taking curves at breakneck speed. It's not going to be safe for kids to be out there on go-karts with you. Hypothetically, some of you all are going to get kicked out of go-kart tracks. I know you. Uh, that's why governors are on go-karts. The engine has a higher capacity than... The normal consumer with all the kids out there is capable of experiencing more power. we got to reserve that power. Enter gentleness. Gentleness is the same way, meaning I have a lot more power, quote, unquote, that I could bring into a situation, but the prautes, the gentleness says, I'm going to put a quote, unquote, governor on my life to hold back some of that power, to keep it in its proper place. And that's why I think a lot of us hear this word gentleness and we immediately reject it because we don't like to be told what to do. And we don't like to be told that we have to kind of take a back seat and that I can't bring everything to a situation that I want to bring into that situation. Or maybe we hear this word meekness or gentleness and we think to ourselves, yeah, that sounds really weak. That sounds like a really weak way to live. Why would I want to have a life that's marked by gentleness? Well, it's very important for us to to kind of reflect on this. And if you don't hear anything else I say today, I want you to hear this. And you see this here on your screen, that meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. That's the big idea. If there's nothing else that you hear today, this is the the big point of the message. To be gentle is not to be weak. On the contrary, to be gentle is actually to be really, really strong. Because it takes a lot of strength to know when to hold back. It takes a lot of strength to know when to exercise patience, when to exercise self-control. It takes an incredible amount of strength to know I could bring more into this situation. I could say something else, but I'm not going to. I could allow my attitude to get to a place that it doesn't need to get to, but I'm not going to. There's so many stories in the Bible about meekness not being weakness and God working through gentle characters. But one that really sticks out to me is in the book of 1 Kings. In First Kings, you have this story, and maybe it's in your kids' storybook Bible. This story where Elijah goes up on Mount Carmel and he's worshiping the one true God to show the people that the one true God, our God, is powerful, more powerful than the false gods. Has power, the false gods of Baal do not have any power. And so he calls down fire from heaven. The prophets of Baal are there, they're trying to summons their God, and nothing happens. And Our God comes and he consumes all of this by fire. And it's this moment where everybody sees the power of God. But there's a lady named Jezebel who's not happy by that. And so she puts kind of a bounty out on Elijah's life. And she's going to try to kill him for the fact of what he is doing. And so he goes into hiding because he's afraid of that. Well, the Lord sees him and he asks Elijah, why are you hiding And he responds, well, I'm hiding because Jezebel's trying to kill me. Well, the Lord says, well, go stand on the mountain in plain sight because God is getting ready to talk to you. And if you'll go with me to 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, picking up in uh, starting there in verse 11, listen to what it says. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Did you catch this? A powerful wind goes by the mountain and God wasn't in the powerful wind. A devastating earthquake comes, God was not in the earthquake. A fire comes, God is not in the fire. But then a gentle whisper appears, and the voice of the Lord said through a gentle whisper, What are you doing here, Elijah? See, if there was no strength and gentleness, why would God speak to Elijah through a gentle whisper? Gentleness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. On the contrary, gentleness overflows in my life when I realize where my strength really comes from. Gentleness overflows. It's an overflow in my life when I realize where my strength really comes from. James 3.17 says, The wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, then considerate, then submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. See, that's the wisdom from above. The wisdom from above is pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's merciful, it's compassionate. Wisdom from the Lord is not explosive, in-your-face, militant kind of wisdom. Rather, the Bible tells us that God speaks to us in gentle ways and that the wisdom from Him isn't marked by anger and bitterness and rage, but wisdom from Him is marked by a gentle spirit. The Bible never instructs you to go out and be arrogant. The Bible instructs you numerous times to go out and be peaceable and to be gentle. The Bible never tells you to compromise truth. It never tells you to sugarcoat truth, but it also tells you to share that truth with gentleness and respect, which we'll be talking about here in just a little bit. And this is in stark opposition to how culture says you should operate, because culture that we live in large says, you know, you've got to be really, really strong. Don't let anybody, you know, run over top of you. you be really, really powerful in all moments, and gentleness should be avoided at all costs, whereas Jesus says gentleness should be celebrated. Now, these fruit of the Spirit don't come normal to us. It's not natural for us to kind of be, you know, you know c- to kind of be predisposed to want to do these things naturally. It's kind of like when somebody's driving in the left lane and they don't need to be driving in the left lane, you know what I mean? And you think to yourself, peace is not my go to right now. It's not normal to want to be peaceful when somebody just needs to get over. Or when someone says something to you, That was rude and you didn't deserve to hear that. Joy does not come natural to you in those moments. Kindness does not come natural to you in those moments. Maybe someone breaks a promise or they're disloyal or maybe someone breaks a confidence and the last thing that you want to do is to have grace and mercy for that person. But rather, as normal as it may be to want to go the ways of the world, the fruit of the Spirit grows us to become more and more like Christ. So it might not seem possible to you. It might not seem normal right now to have a gentle spirit, but know that gentleness can be my normal response, even though anger, bitterness, and rage seem more normal. Gentleness can be my normal response, though anger and bitterness and rage seem to be more normal. 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25 reminds us that the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed, there's the word again, in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of truth. So if you desire to be a servant of the Lord, this is what your life should look like. You shouldn't be argumentative. You shouldn't be quarrelsome. You should know how to handle opponents in a gentle manner. Now, is everyone going to agree with you at all points in life? Is everything going to do exactly what you want them to do? Is everybody going to see the world exactly the way that you see it? Absolutely. And are you going to have opponents? Are you going to have people who disagree with you? Are you going to have people that do things wrong, even when you were doing what was right? Absolutely. But in those moments, Scripture tells us we are to gently instruct our opponents. That word gently is prautes. It's the same Greek word in Galatians chapter 5. It's this fruit of the Spirit. So what then should I do if someone raises their voice? What should I do if someone is really, really upset with me? If you're raising your voice at me, then I should just raise my voice back at you louder, right? Is that how I should respond? Proverbs 15.1 says that a gentle answer turns away wrath. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. See, this hurts a little bit because it's a lot easier for me to kind of operate under this premise of the harsher you get, the harsher I'm going to get. The angrier you get, the angrier I'm going to get. But haven't you noticed in life that a gentle response tends to calm the situation? Even though it's not normal, it doesn't feel normal, it tends to work. If you're looking for some practical advice here, It's not the worst principle in the world to operate under this principle that if you're going to raise your voice, I'm going to lower mine. If you're going to go to a place of anger and rage, then I'm going to go to a place of calm. If you're going to get really, really fired up, then I'm going to try to simmer for a little bit. If you're going to be you know, kind of a proponent of a fit of rage, then I'm going to seek to remain calm. And those natural human responses of bitterness and anger and rage are not reflective of the fruit of the Spirit. And those responses that are so natural for us sometimes are are, are our desire to be in control. Or maybe it's us living out of insecurity, but God is revealing to us through his word today and through the power of the Holy Spirit that he wants us to grow to become more and more like Jesus. And to be gentle is to be like Christ. To be gentle is to be like Christ. There's so many examples in the Bible of Jesus being gentle with others. So many that I could talk about. I love Jesus' gentleness, even with the Pharisees who were trying to stop him. Jesus' gentleness in the face of opposition people that were vehemently disagreeing with him, Jesus still responded with gentleness back to them. Don't you love these stories of Jesus inviting kids into his presence? When all the other kind of spiritual leaders of the day said, why are all these kids here? And Jesus said, no, I welcome them in because when he welcomed the kids in, he said, your faith really should be more like theirs. Because... They have a very childlike faith, and you think you have it all figured out, but I really wish you were more like them, that you had this childlike awe and wonder as to who I am. Jesus said we could learn a lot from the most vulnerable among us, the children. He was showing us what it meant to be gentle. But even in Jesus' own words, he was showing us his gentleness. Matthew 11, 28, and 29, Jesus says, "'Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest.'" Take my yoke up on you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, Jesus was and is the Savior of the world. He was fully God, but also fully man. And Jesus could have performed any miracle that he wanted to perform. He had the power to do whatever he wanted to do, to be known however he wanted to be known. But in his own words, he said, I am gentle and humble in heart. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, because I am gentle and humble. See, gentleness and humility, they go hand in hand because you don't grow in one without growing in the other. You can't grow in gentleness with people that are opposing you if you're not a humble person who realizes the needs of other people and other people are going to be more important than me. It takes humility to look at the eyes of someone who's spoken to you in a way that did not make you feel good and respond with grace and compassion and gentleness, but be encouraged this morning. God wants you to come to Him if you're weary. God wants you to come to Him if you're burdened. Maybe your life is marked by kind of an overwhelming sense of everything that's happening in life, or maybe you're just really, really stressed right now, and the burdens of the day are there. There's weighing on you. Maybe your mind and your heart are really, really heavy right now. Come to Jesus. Why? Because He says, "I'm gentle and I'm humble, and I want to give you rest." And when we start living like that, things change in our life. But isn't it incredible that it's not just things that change in our life, things start changing in the lives of other people as well. And you begin to see the impact that your gentleness has on others, and you're able to help other people find rest for his or her soul. This entire series has been about highlighting the fruit of the Spirit and what happens in our life when we grow in the fruit of the Spirit. To be gentle is to be like Jesus. To be a loving person is to be like Jesus. To be kind is to be like Jesus. To be patient is to be like Jesus. Is it enough that all of these fruit of the Spirit make us more and more conform to the image of Christ? Is that not reason enough for us to walk away from the things of the world and become who it is that Jesus desires for us to be? Is it enough Beyond all of the benefits that actually happen, is it not enough to say, this is how Jesus wants me to live, and so I want to pursue that. Now, if these things don't come naturally to you, welcome to the club. <laughs> if gentleness doesn't come naturally to you, welcome to the club. You're normal. If patience doesn't come natural to you, guess what? Nothing's wrong with you. Because all of these fruit of the Spirit, they only grow in our life when our hearts are conformed to Jesus. And we all have a sin nature that is conformed to the world. And so if these things don't come naturally to you, then just know that it's something we've got to work at. Now, I can see it in some of your faces right now because some of you are saying, Well, Pastor Jason just said to me that doesn't come naturally to me, so I must get a pass. Wrong. Just because these things don't come naturally to you does not mean that you get a pass. I I have to say this. Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit, not a personality trait. Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. It's not a personality trait. Sometimes I'll find myself in conversations with people, and they'll say, oh, those things just don't come naturally to me, so I don't think I have to grow in it. Duh. Who does gentleness come naturally to? Who does love in the face of apathy come naturally to? It only happens because of the grace of God. Some of you guys are, you know, you've taken your Enneagram and your Enneagram told you you're not a gentle person. And you're like, "Mm, I guess I get an excused absence. Some of you have went online, you've taken some online quiz that was really, really formal, you know, like four questions. And, uh, you know, and it printed out something about you and it told you I'm not a gentle person. And you've you've, you've thought to yourself, "Mm, I guess I get a pass on this. See, we hear gentleness, and our mind maybe, maybe goes to the person who's cool and calm and collected, and, and we think to ourselves, that could never be me. But to reiterate, it doesn't really matter how easy gentleness comes for you. It doesn't matter how much of a play of strength it is to your personality or how direct opposition it stands to your personality. This is a fruit of the Spirit of the living God, and according to the Sermon on the Mount, which was the longest recorded teaching of Jesus, Jesus told us in Matthew 5, 5, that blessed are the meek. Blessed are the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the lowly. Blessed are the gentle. A great inheritance of a new heaven and a new earth awaits you. So I seek to grow in gentleness because it's to grow and becoming more and more like who Jesus made me to be. But it's not just about me. See, it doesn't just change me. It doesn't just impact me. Gentleness impacts others. Have you noticed this in your own life, that gentleness on display radically impacts those around you? Gentleness on display will radically impact those around you. All of the fruit of the Spirit would fall under this same point. Gentleness on display radically impacts those around me. I love 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect you and i should always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have in christ we should always be prepared to share jesus with others to share the hope of how jesus has changed our life but we're also instructed to do so with gentleness and respect this verse single-handedly pulls the footing out from the person who thinks that the word of god has to be shared in a really bold militant angry way that's not how we're instructed to share the truth of God. The truths of God are so life-giving, and they're so true, and they, 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 they reach to the deepest recesses of our hearts, the things that we don't want to talk about, the things that we don't want to deal with, the sins that we struggle with. It's only God's Word that changes us, and we are instructed to share that, to share that boldly, to never compromise truth, to never be afraid to tell someone that their life of sin is not what God has in store for them, but we are equally instructed to do so with gentleness, and respect. Because we're more like Jesus when we do that. I don't know about you, but when I'm around someone who's really, really angry with me, I really don't want to be around them anymore. (laughs) I mean, you have those people that are just really, really angry with them. You know, you see them coming the way and you you try to find a a column to jump behind. Or somebody who's really, really angry with you, their name pops up on your phone, you hit the red button. (laughs) Because you think to yourself, I don't know what they're getting ready to say. Why would we think that angry presentations of life-giving truth of Jesus are going to accomplish what Jesus wants to do in the hearts and lives of other people? Rather, he wants us to share and to be prepared to share the hope that we have in him and to share it boldly and to share it passionately and to do so with gentleness and respect. I'm so honored to see the way that this happens, not only in the life of our church, but the way that this happens throughout uh, the work that we're able to be a part of in Rolling Hills Community Church and Justice and Mercy International. We literally see men and women across the globe who are seeking to share the hope of Jesus Christ, and they're seeking to do so with acts of service and the fruit of the Spirit and these gentle, kind of ways. I think about the work of Justice and Mercy International. And some of you are brand new to Rolling Hills today and you have no idea what I'm talking about. Justice and Mercy International was started back in 2008 as an arm of Rolling Hills to see what, what, what God wanted to do in the world through our church. And over time, this has expanded and now to multiple church partners, and it's so incredible. And this morning, I want to celebrate that because there is gentleness on display that is radically impacting the lives of people across the globe. And so maybe for those of you who are new, I want to introduce you to JMI today. And for those of you that know a little bit about the story, you're going to be encouraged by this as well. So I want you to take a look to celebrate the things that are happening as gentleness is on display across the globe.
2: The illness, loss, and desperation that Justice and Mercy International faced in 2021 became one of our most difficult seasons of ministry ever. Early last year, our Brazilian team found themselves at the epicenter of a global pandemic. Hospitalizations and deaths due to COVID-19 soared in their region. Our staff spent their waking hours bringing hope to the most vulnerable, all the while facing unimaginable personal loss. Lives were quite literally saved. Because of them. At that pivotal moment, JMI stayed. After walking through such tragedy with our team in the Amazon, we never could have imagined that another crisis was just around the corner, this time in Moldova. On February 24th, we awoke to news of the unimaginable. Russian forces had launched a violent invasion of Ukraine, right next door Moldovans were experiencing the fear and uncertainty firsthand as thousands of Ukrainian refugees fled across their border seeking safety. Our Moldovan team immediately sprang into action despite the threat of war. At this pivotal moment, JMI stayed. This is what Justice and Mercy International did amidst a deadly COVID outbreak, and it's what we continue to do, even now, as a war in Eastern Europe still rages We stay it's what we've done since 2008 and what we will continue to do we walk alongside jungle pastors as they minister in the most remote places on earth we provide programming for vulnerable children and teens who face the dangers of human trafficking we continue to care for our people as we invest in long lasting relationships in both the Amazon and Moldova to care for the vulnerable in the name of Jesus By God's grace, JMI will stay.
1: I want to introduce you this morning to a friend of mine who I've had the privilege of working with ever since you started with JMI. Uh, and this is Carrie Bidwell. And Carrie is uh, just an awesome leader, staff member with our uh, Justice and Mercy International team. And uh, Carrie, I'd love for you, because uh, many people in the room, this literally is the first time they've ever heard of JMI. And so they're new to Rolling Hills. So I'd love for you to share with us just a little bit about the scope of Justice and Mercy International and, and why it's so significant.
3: So as you saw from the video, we uh, we work in two different countries. The first country we started out was in Moldova, which is in Eastern Europe, and there we mainly focus on working with vulnerable children. And as they um, get older, we also transition some of them into transitional living um, during high school. And that's kind of our main focus. We have most of our staff there. But then on the other side of the world, we work in the Amazon jungle of Brazil, which are. Very different locations, um, <laughs> culturally, climate, everything is so different. But there um, our main focus is jungle pastors that serve along the Amazon River, and then we also do child sponsorships and work with special needs kids. Um, and In both countries, we kind of do a lot of priority needs if they um, need medical attention or food or something like that as well.
1: And at last count, I think we're at like 900 kids in Moldova, orphans that are sponsored. And so we're gonna get that number up a little bit more today, so just be prepared uh, for that. but it's incredible, isn't it, Karen? I mean, just to think about the scope of what's happening over, uh, you know, across the globe. And so I think this topic today is just the absolute perfect fit for, uh, for a connection to JMI because when we see gentleness on display, you see it firsthand with the, the indigenous staff that are you know, in both of these countries. So I'd love for you to just share, like, how, have you, how have you literally seen this at play to see our teams and to see our staff working and, and how that gentleness and that fruit of the spirit has connected some incredible kingdom uh, work?
3: So it's just been a pleasure to watch our Indigenous staff on the ground both in Brazil and Moldova. Um, are just so kind in general, but I think um, as I've been thinking about this this week, just the idea of gentleness, they've been so gentle in the fact that they go and meet people where they're at. So they'll go and meet them in an orphanage. They'll go and meet them on the remote area of the Amazon jungle that no one's ever been to before. And through that, there's intentionality in all of it. So there's um, just a desire to really understand their need, not come in with their agenda. And through that, there's been so much life change. I truly believe that life change happens in the context of loving relationship, and that's what our staff had mo- has modeled. Mm-hmm. And it's been sweet to see how lives have been changed, um, physically, mentally, and most importantly, spiritually. Absolutely.
1: And I, and, I, and even as we highlighted there in the video a little bit, it's just fascinating to me that you know two years ago, no one could have ever anticipated that the epicenter of what was going to happen with COVID-19 in the Amazon jungle that w- w- that that wreaked so much havoc. And our staff, they stayed. And they they took on um, through their own personal loss, um, you know, meeting the needs of people and getting oxygen into the hands of people that were that were that were dying, and then just you know a handful of months ago in Moldova to see what happened this little country that borders Ukraine and a, a country of 3 million people that in the late part of February had over 500,000 refugees passing through their country fleeing what was happening and every one of those staff members not only said not only we are going to stay but we're going to ramp up the work and uh, meet the needs of these refugees here coming into our country uh, that are fleeing war and, and it's just so so powerful but there's lots of ways for all of us to get connected and plugged in with that So, secure just tell us about if somebody wants to get involved if they're not already um, how would you encourage them to do that
3: Yeah, so um, as the video said and Jason said, there's just a lot of need in general. So one of the biggest ways is giving financially. Things cost money, (laughs) providing for people costs money. Um, If you have more questions about that, I'll be out at the table. Something that's very tangible and to meet someone personally and intentionally is to sponsor them. So we have child sponsorships, both in the Amazon and Moldova. And we also have the opportunity to sponsor uh, Amazon jungle pastors along the river as well. Um, And then it says in your worship guide, I couldn't remember what that was called for service, (laughs) worship guide, there is several trips you can be a part of. And the one that JMI is a part of is the Amazon spring break trip. So if you're interested in that, it would be great for you to go to serve those that we love along the river. Um, again, I'll be out at the table and can give you more information on any of those. But most importantly, we just ask that you be praying for us. There's a lot that can go wrong in so many situations. And we've just seen the faithfulness of the Lord and how his hand has been upon JMI, through, especially through these last two years of craziness. Um, so we do cover your prayers as well.
1: Thank you so much, Carrie. I appreciate it. Will you please give Carrie a big round of applause? Thank you for sharing today. Gentleness on display is literally changing hearts in Moldova. Gentleness on display is changing the trajectory of these orphan kids that the world has abandoned. Gentleness on display is changing the the dynamic along the Amazon River Basin. Gentleness on display is changing hearts and minds here in our own community. Gentleness on display is what provides you opportunities to share the hope of God with others who are going through difficult seasons. It's gentleness on display that gives you that opportunity to share about a God who loves them, who has an incredible plan for their life. But it's not just a world away. Gentleness on display radically changes your your family. Gentleness on display changes your community. It changes your workplace. It changes the trajectory of all the relationships that we have. For us guys, um, gentleness is not something that we always want to strive for. At the top of my message, I said some of you guys have tuned me out, and some of you maybe are still tuning me out. Because when you hear the word gentleness, you think to yourself, ah, I don't really know if that's anything that I should strive for. I don't know if that's anything that I ever really thought that I should be chasing after. But see, for Jesus, it was a defining word that he said about himself, that I am gentle and humble in heart. Maybe you were raised in a home that wasn't very gentle. And therefore, it's hard for you to understand what it looks like to lead with gentleness in your home. But what would it look like to create an environment in your home where your family's not afraid to share about what's going on in their life? When they're not embarrassed to share things that they're struggling with? When disagreements happen that voices don't have to get raised, but that the powerful Holy Spirit would calm those nerves where dads and moms tell their kids that they love them and don't just assume that they know that they love them? Or how about being that type of friend that makes people in your circle know how valuable they are? And the people in your life, they know how much you appreciate them, and they don't ever have to wonder why, because you tell them. You check in on them, and you listen to them, and if you know they're going through a difficult time, you don't show up in their life to judge them, but you show up in their life to gently walk with them. And whatever is going on, you consistently show up in their lives. Or how about in your workplace? How about in your work, you don't lose your mind if you don't get the promotion that you thought you so desperately wanted or needed? Or how about at the coffee pot when everybody's gossiping because, you know, Barbara made a mistake again? Instead of adding to the noise, you just simply adopt a gentle spirit and say, It's going to be okay because maybe Barbara's going through something that I could step into her life and help her with. Rather, instead of criticizing someone else, you make yourself available maybe to listen to your coworkers. If you know they're going through a hard time, instead of heaping criticism on them, how about you bring a meal to them because they're hurting? I mean, who doesn't want that kind of place to work? Who doesn't want that kind of environment? See, when you and I take gentleness out of this kind of unattainable ideal and we put it into real practice, we begin to see how much of a difference it makes. And maybe 30 minutes ago, you thought this is something that you never wanted to seek after, you never wanted to pursue, you never wanted to chase after. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, God's showing you that when you practically put this into your life, you realize not only how much you're going to be changed, but how much the circle of people around you is going to be changed. So it is not weak to be gentle. Meekness is not weakness. It is very strong to be gentle. It's not easy to be gentle, but it is worth it. It's not normal to respond in kindness when I'm criticized. It's only through the grace of God that I don't have to let the wounds of other people lead me to a place of my own insecurity. It's not my natural wiring to be calm in the face of stress, but it's only through the grace of God that I can keep things in their proper perspective. It's not like the world to be gentle, but oh, it's like Jesus. And may that be enough for us as we live the life he's called us to live.
0: That's the end of this episode on the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. Before you go, we invite you to think about who you could share this sermon with. Click the subscribe button so that you can be notified each time we release a new sermon. Did you know Rolling Hills publishes other podcasts too? Check out the Making History and Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, Follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're thankful you spent some time with us today. We'll see you next time.